Welcome to Get the Scope podcast for current and aspiring nursing and midwifery students for Scarlett and Caitlin. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Get the Scope. Today you're joined by Scarlett and Caitlin. And today we are recording part three of our beginner's guide to first year nursing and midwifery. And hopefully once you listen to this episode of the podcast, you'll find your first place when a little bit less daunting and you'll feel a little more confident in what you're doing. We are very excited. Um, We thought we would just start off this episode with a little bit of a disclaimer in the sense that we understand that 2020 and COVID has thrown a lot of spanners into the works of the healthcare industry. So I suppose with these current times, we just wanted to acknowledge the different work environment that you'll be stepping out into. We understand that at this point in time, a lot of people are struggling with the changing of the environment, the presence of COVID patients, the overall staff fatigue and burnout and exhaustion that everyone's been feeling um, as the last 18 months has taken such a toll on our healthcare system. We think it's just really important to acknowledge that it's a really different work environment to say the one that Caitlin and myself stepped out on on our first placement and we can feel the difference. We want to just acknowledge that it's going to be a different sort of setting to what it might be, let's say, in the next 18 months. We can't obviously predict what COVID will look like, but we understand at this current point in time, it is just very overworked, very nerve wracking. Yeah, it's a hard environment to learn in and you you're going to feel like just an extra pair of hands rather than a student on their learning journey and having the opportunity to learn. And it's really hard to navigate, especially on your very first placement. Definitely. So before you start your first nursing placement, Caitlin, what are some tips that you think that would be really beneficial before starting your placement? Yes. So one of our biggest tips is to research the hospital or the facility that you're going to be working at. This will be really helpful for you to be able to think about what types of patients you're going to be looking after, what sort of areas of Um, nursing that you can revise on before you start and also just do some research and some common reading on the medications that you can expect as well. Um, It's also important for you to drive to the venue and to make sure you can suss out the route and the parking available and of course utilize like the Facebook nursing groups um, if you're a part of any. We know that there's a there's a really big one um, for Victorian student nurses which we can link in the show notes but yeah there's some really important things to look out for. Definitely I think knowing what kind of clinical presentations you might expect to see um, and going back through your semester's notes as well. With driving to the placement, that was something that I did on my first placement. I found it really helped with my nerves. I had done the route before. I knew where to park. I had decided how long it was going to take me to get there. And all those sort of things really helped me for my very first placement to ease my nerves. And especially because sometimes they're like 45 minutes away from where you live. Mm -hmm. And And remember to account for all the different traffic conditions like peak hour traffic and driving at night and all that sort of thing. 100%. There's so many things to account for. You just don't think about it until on the day. And then you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize it's going to take me an hour to get to the placement today. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's exactly it. And so there's a lot of comfort in knowing just where you're going and deciding, okay, well, this is a good place to park. Um, Another thing is meal planning. And doing it kind of, I mean, if your placement starts on a Monday, doing it that weekend before. Something to keep in mind with like meal planning is that don't 
prepare a meal that maybe you need to have an, like a microwave for, for instance, because you don't want to get on placement and those facilities not be there. That's not common in today's age, but I'm just saying it's a possibility. So maybe for your first placement, I would pack something that doesn't need to be microwave, doesn't need to be refrigerated. So that way you can suss out what facilities you have there and then kind of go, oh, okay, that's great. Now I know that I've got this. And then your next day you can bring whatever it might be. Yeah, agreed. And it's also like the other way around. Don't don't prepare to rely on there being a cafe because some facilities, a lot of facilities probably don't have cafes and they don't have takeaway options for you to choose from. So that's another thing to consider as well. It's like both ends of the spectrums. A hundred percent. Another good thing about pre-planning is that it saves money. Um, It also saves time. Um, Another thing that I did before my first placement was I created a kind of mini dictionary. I did touch on this in part two. Um, So it's again, this same little diary that I had that had um, all my acronyms. And it was the book that I used, my little mini address book that I used. I took that on my placement. I created it before my placement so that I could add more things on my placement. Um, It was also advice that my first ever clinical educator gave me as well. Maybe before your placement, go out and buy an address book that's got A through to Z tabs all the way down the side. So that way you can add in medications, acronyms or anything else that you find really helpful. Yeah, it turns out to be a really excellent study resource as well. And our last tip for before you start your placement is to make sure you have not two, but three shirts to wear. You may not think it, but they're going to get very smelly and very dirty. And Mm -hmm. having only two shirts is very challenging. I only had two shirts in my first year. Big regrets. And so having three just makes it a lot less stressful. Having to worry about washing is like just another thing that you don't have to think about. And you don't have the time. You're no. You're half hour shifts five days a week. Like Yeah, and you're driving to and from placements like an hour's journey. Like, no, you do not have the time anymore. <laughs> Ain't got time for that. And so um, moving on, on your very first day of placement, our advice is to get there early, no matter what. Just say, for instance, you're on a morning shift and it starts at seven o'clock, make sure you get there at 6.30. If you're starting an afternoon shift at one o'clock, get there at 12.30. Just get there early so you can park, you can walk in, you can find where you're going. Maybe you can find some other students that are there. Maybe you can find your facilitator and talk to your facilitator. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it'll, it'll calm your nerves tremendously you have no idea how nervous you're going to be until the day you have no idea it's so true another thing so you'll meet your clinical educator on your first day they'll be one of the typically one of the first people that you'll meet so a clinical educator or facilitator is someone who will oversee you throughout your whole placement time that you're there um, and they look after all the students so all the students on the ward or on that placement with you will be seeing either one or two maybe three, it depends what the team might be. But yeah, essentially you'll meet your clinical educator and they will often ask you to perform skills with them, sometimes like under an assessment. They'll come through, they'll test your knowledge on things throughout your placement in a way that it's not like a quiz or an exam test. It's more of like a supporting you to learn better. They will go through medications. They'll give you your logins as well, especially with the EMR. So they'll help you with any of that setting up. They'll go through shift planning work with you. They're your really great first point of contact if you have any questions regarding assessments. They will also, typically your first one, they will keep you on track with saying to you, this is what is expected of your first placement. We expect you to do, say, three assessments, this many reflections, and keep a journal of all of your skills that you performed, whatever it might be. 
they're the kind of people that will help you work through all of those assessments and all those nitty gritties. They're not your buddy nurse and they're not going to work alongside you with shifts, but they are someone that if you are on a shift and you need them to come and oversee something, they can come, but they won't be with you your whole shift. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you grab their email or their pager number as well to contact them on. So if you do find yourself um, performing assessments, then you can contact them as well. So also on your first day when you get to placement, you'll be meeting the other students that are on placement with you. Make sure you become friends with them and, you know, you're all going through it together. Make a Facebook group chat or like a WhatsApp group chat and just, you know, get to know each other. And then at least that way you'll have somewhere where you can contact each other. You can ask each other questions you can carpool with each other if it's necessary of course a lot of students don't drive themselves and so that could be really important and mostly just make friends with each other you know you're all going through the same thing mm-hmm. yeah. it'll be really important and we'll talk about it more but when it comes to like debriefing and things like that it's so nice to have people that you can speak to because you're going through the same thing at the same time Exactly, exactly. And our last tip for on our first day is to make sure you understand your assessment requirements early. So like Scarlett was saying before, when your clinical facilitator goes through what's required of you of the placement, make sure you understand. And if you don't understand, ask again until you understand, because that's going to make your time on placement a lot less stressful. Because otherwise, what I found myself in this situation, I think Scarlett has as well, is that you're plodding along on placement, enjoying your time anyway, gets to the last week of placement and you've done no assessments and you've had to, you've had to have done three by the end of your placement. And so that is a very stressful situation. Yeah. You do not want to put yourself in that stress. So yes, understand your requirements and understand your requirements early. So during your clinical placement, this is applicable to both a block or a integrated placement, whatever your first placement might be. I personally kept typed diary notes throughout my placements. So I would go home at the end of a shift and I found it especially easier on a AM shift, but I would just type through what happened in my day. I would write things like either skills that I performed, maybe a lesson that I learned. Maybe I would take note. I'd say, oh, my buddy nurse did something like this way. And that was something that I'd never thought of before. Or my buddy nurse did this and it made me really uncomfortable. I don't want to treat my patients that way. Unfortunately, that is something that you will see. You will see practice that makes you feel uncomfortable and that you don't necessarily agree with. I think the biggest tip is to learn and reflect on that but definitely I just kept a diary to for me it was just like a personal diary that I kept to be able to reflect on my own practice and kind of keep it as like a memory sake as well yeah yeah definitely Um, yeah I kept handwritten diaries which now that I think about it typing your diary entries is probably a much easier solution (laughs) I definitely need to do that but Um, keeping reflections on how you're going throughout your placements it also shows you how far you've come in terms of improving your skills and improving your presence as a student yeah it's something as well actually we should mention that through we both study at Monash but it's a requirement of our folios to have xyz um, reflections per placement when it comes to writing those reflections having that already done it saves time in the long term essentially yeah yep agree Another thing to do whilst you are on placement is to ask questions. And I think when I'm on placement, especially a lot of my buddy nurses, they always ask, do you have any questions? Like what it asks, ask me anything. And at first I didn't really take 
I didn't take it literally. And I kind of just said, oh, no, no, I think I got it. Like, I think I know like what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. I think I know everything. No, you don't. If you have a question, just ask it. Being on placement is the best learning opportunity and just take advantage of it. Even if you have questions about little things, like how do you manage your time throughout your shift? Or how do you manage your sleep when you're working full time? Or if you've got two patients that need something to be done ASAP, what do you do? Like, what do you do in these situations? You know, they may not be clinically related, but they may be nursing related. And they're really important. They're really important questions to ask. All all questions are important to ask. Mm -hmm. And I think the more comfortable you get with asking those questions, the better you get at doing it. And I guess the good thing about being a student nurse, if you are on a buddy system as opposed to a preceptorship, which we'll talk about as well, but um, it means a buddy system means you have different nurses each day. So if you ask these questions to these nurses each day, then you're getting such a huge range of data. I mean, really, you're getting so much advice, which is just, an opportunity that you can take on placement which is invaluable yeah it's priceless yeah um something that I wanted to share was a um advice from a podcast episode that I listened to so the podcast is called do you fucking mind yeah by Um, Alexis Ferdinand's yes and the episode that um I'm referencing this from is her one on how to set boundaries so that you can live your truth so she opens up this episode with a series of like quotes or questions to ask yourself that I wanted to share with all of these listeners because I just thought for me personally it made me really reflect on my first placement so the first few quotes are who am I to put myself last every time who am I to put myself in an uncomfortable situation that I don't need to be in what am I benefiting from this in the long term what am I telling my future self if I always ignore my calls for boundaries and what would this mean for future me if nothing ever changes I loved all of these questions because it made me really reflect on the type of person that I want to be on placement and especially the type of person person that I wish I was on my first place um, I feel like when you're in a new environment um especially in a hospital setting it's really easy to fall into this trap of like oh I need to be helpful I need to be liked I need to do things that make me look like I'm a good person and that they're someone who they want to work with rather than saying how comfortable do I feel doing this or is this something that I'm actually going to benefit from in the long term am I actually using all of these opportunities to be learning opportunities or am I just kind of becoming a servant to the people on the ward here essentially yeah. Yeah. And, and finding your voice on your very first placement is so daunting and it's still daunting now. We're both in our third years and we still find it daunting. And so, but there's a fine line between being a student on placement and being like another set of hands. And mm-hmm. obviously there's a time for each, you know, but just remember you're there to learn. You're there to have your own patience, do your own work and to learn from that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Something that um, I'll share with you guys. So an example of this is on my first placement. So I've got two examples. My first one is, so I was on one side of the ward and we had a four patient load that we were caring for. And I had one patient in particular who required a patient feed, like they were my patient. So it was a stroke patient. So I had finished that patient feed and um, I was like um, helping out with the rest of those four patients anyway um, and then a nurse came over from the other side of the ward and asked my buddy nurse oh can I take your student and use them to feed one of my patients on the other side 
And my buddy nurse was like, yeah, yeah, she can do that. That's fine. And I didn't speak up or say anything. And so I ended up going over to the other side of the ward and feeding this patient. And I was probably about, I don't know, let's say halfway through it. And my educator came around the ward and she comes in and sees me and she says, oh, like, you know, these are your patients. Are these who you're caring for? You know, tell me a bit about them. And I was like, oh, no, these aren't my patients. I'm on the other side of the ward. And she was like, well, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, like that nurse needed my hand. She was like, that's not what you're here for. You're not here to be a helping hand. You're here to take on a patient load and you're here to look after and become a nurse, not somebody who just, you know, does all of the in-between tasks that they need done. And I remember feeling really, really guilty after that. I felt like I'd obviously I had like done the wrong thing. I, I know that, but it, I remember it just being really, I felt really sick to my stomach. I was like, oh my God, this is so horrible. And that was my initial feelings. And then I, you know, used it as a reflection point and I was like, okay, well, I need to find my voice. I need to find where my boundary is because I'm not benefiting from doing patient feeds in the long term because I've done that with my patient, you know, like I need to sit there and I need to do the documentation. Like that was something that I should have been sitting there and doing and learning, but I kind of didn't find my voice in that moment. And that was what it meant for me. It can be really hard to navigate your boundaries as well at the very start. You find confidence in what your role is and your scope of practice, and you find confidence in setting those boundaries. Definitely. I think that it's important skill as a nurse to be able to understand and know your boundaries because it kind of really well co- like coincides with your scope of practice. And while it's uncomfortable, it's really important. And it's important to not fall into that routine of, I just want to get along with everyone. I want everyone to like me. I just want to enjoy my placement. And so, you know, yeah, that means I'll compromise and on my learning opportunities, but I don't want to say no, I don't want to upset anyone. And even though like we disclaimed before in these COVID times, it's a bit tricky to navigate but you just got to remember that you're there to learn and Mm -hmm. you need to set those boundaries to make sure people understand that as well Mm -hmm, yeah yeah another example I wanted to share that I think as a first placement it's really important um, that everyone remembers is again you're there for a learning opportunity so I had a patient that needed a bladder scan and I remember learning about this in university I couldn't at that time, I couldn't tell you what the anatomical place that the bladder scanner had to go on. And <laughs> I, I couldn't remember, like I couldn't have given you a step-by-step on how to actually approach it. But I said to my body nurse, and I'd been there for a week and a half now. So I'd, I'd you know, reflected on all the things and I was like, I need to speak up more. I need to be more engaged. I need to, you know, take my learning opportunities. And so I said to my body nurse, I'm like, can I do it? Can I do the bladder scanner? And I'm so glad I did because it's one, it's the only opportunity I've actually had to do it on all my placements thus far. <laughs> so I'm glad I took that opportunity because, you know, I can't predict the future and say, oh, I'll have an opportunity to do a bladder scanner on a patient, you know, on my third placement. Like, I don't know that. Now it's a skill that I do feel comfortable doing because I had learnt it. She steps it through with me and I actually got to, you know, use the bladder scanner and I'm really glad that I did it. And it meant that that day for me like I remember doing it I remember that day because it was a learning opportunity and it's basically like I love the what would this mean for future me if nothing ever changed quote that I spoke about because it's like okay I now can recognize that I did something and our future me is like oh that was a really good learning opportunity that you took Mm -hmm. I'm glad you did Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can relate in the opposite direction where I had an opportunity once in second year in my first placement of second year to insert a catheter, uh, sorry, an indwelling catheter for a female patient. And I 
was literally offered by my buddy nurse do you want to do it and I said no 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 I'll just watch you know you know I'm just not too not too comfortable blah blah I'm a pretty confident person so I think I would have been fine but since then I've never been able to insert one since I have not had the opportunity and I've kind of kicked myself every day because I wish I did it that one day because then I could say you know I've actually inserted a catheter you know I've actually learned that skill but Mm -hmm. I think that's why we've got this advice to tell you guys to make sure you take most of every opportunity, set your boundaries and make sure you know your role as a student on the ward. A hundred percent. And yeah, and like we're saying all of this, that we we did these tasks when they were in our scope of practice. And obviously that's something to keep in mind. It's interesting that you say that about the Andrelian catheter, because I feel like if I didn't do the mid, I feel like if I didn't do midwifery for mm-hmm. mid, it's actually an assessment piece that we have mm-hmm. to get done. Mm-hmm. So I have put my hand up every time and been like, yep, I'll give it a go. Yep, I'll give it a go. I think the motivating factor for me, though, is like I know it's an assessment piece and that one day I'm going to have to get it signed off. Yeah. So I feel like that mentality, maybe if we just approach all of our skills and be like, okay, I know I don't have to get it signed off, but if I approach it like I do, you're more likely to just do it. And get yeah, it done. yeah. And you're more likely to seek those opportunities as well. That's so yeah. true. Another tip that we have actually is being clear at the beginning of each week or each shift about what you need or what you want to achieve and focalizing this to your buddy nurse. So if you really want to be able to insert an IDC, maybe you really want to have that opportunity, vocalize it, say it in the handover, say it to your buddy nurse, say it to your nursing team, you know, Mm -hmm. setting those goals and making it known is a really easy way to get to practice your skills and to make sure you're getting all these opportunities. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's such a great advice. So a reminder as well, just like keeping your buddy nurse up to date with what your scope of practice is. Make sure that you, you're you showing assertiveness in a way that it's like, this is where my boundaries are, um, but also in a way that's like not blunt or kind of aggressive. It's just like, okay, this is where my boundaries are. This is what I can and can't do. And you can always, your clinical facilitators will probably say it. Say you feel really uncomfortable. You can be like, oh, my clinical facilitator said I can't do this. This is with, without of my scope. Just kind of use that line to be like, if you feel uncomfortable being like, oh, you know, like this is just out of my scope and I know that. It's like, oh, my clinical facilitator said this is out of my scope. So that way you kind of have that buffering of like, oh, this isn't really my fault. This is someone else's. It makes it look <laughs> comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And you can also just play the student card. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I'm a student. It's out of my scope. You can go both ways. Exactly. Our next tip is to make sure that you seek help when you need it. Your clinical facilitators are first point of contact if you need anything and make sure you use them. They're your support network and they're there to help you. And they'll more often than not appreciate your enthusiasm to seek help as well. And at least then you'll be making the most out of your opportunity. And plus, it's so important for you to feel safe and comfortable and practice within your scope and for you to enjoy the placement. You're going to be there for two weeks, three weeks, five weeks, 10 weeks, whatever. It's important for you to have a good time. Mm-hmm. I agree. Some other things on your or during your placement that you'll be asked to do is feedback. Some placements, they'll give you like a daily feedback form. Sometimes it's weekly. It, it really does depend, but it's always a big part of your placement journey. So I guess our tips is to be open to receiving feedback and kind of go out of your way to ask for it even. It's really important that you get feedback on the way that you are speaking to patients and the way that you're doing practical procedures and things like that. Um, It is something that 
I agree is it's really uncomfortable like it is yeah. a really uncomfortable thing to do I can agree because receiving feedback is still a weakness of mine <laughs> and yeah. I've said that and I've recently said that in a grad interview actually yeah. <laughs> I'm still working on it but it's really important for you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable I love that it's something that you need to yeah become comfortable with because it's something that you will come across your whole nursing journey and we mean that even as a nurse like you will one day be the person providing feedback to your student nurses so I think something that we'd like to say is one when you receive good feedback take that on board obviously some feedback's not productive and that's just the way it is a grain of salt. yeah exactly it is what it is but yeah really use it and reflect on it and then also reflect on the way that that person gave you feedback so if you were given feedback and you were like oh I actually engaged with that really well that was really respectful that was really helpful for me what ways can you then go oh okay when I'm giving feedback to students in the future how can I use what this nurse has done for me to then be able to apply that and go how can I give feedback Uh, when I'm a nurse giving a student feedback because it really is this cycle of teaching and learning and teaching and learning and teaching and learning yeah you don't and you think oh that's ages away it's not it's really not you'll notice it even as a student nurse because we are learning the most up-to-date information you might need to not maybe give feedback but kind of say to a nurse oh in university we learn to do it this way and I know that for instance this is a bit of a, a controversial one I say that with inverted commas I'm not really sure if it is controversial but I remember when we learned to do injections I am injections aspirating was something that was once taught so that's when you pull back on the needle yeah yeah, the syringe to see if there's um, any like blood coming back into the the syringe and then you push in the whatever the IM injection might be but we no longer do that and so I know that that's not necessarily giving feedback but it's kind of like it's approaching that uncomfortableness and saying to that nurse oh like I noticed that you aspirated it's something that we currently don't learn in university do you like is it something you still practice with and just having that conversation with someone it can be really uncomfortable but I guess practicing doing that so that then you can go oh okay I said that you know that wasn't the way I intended it or that wasn't as constructive and so you can then give feedback in a way that you wish to receive it. Yep. Yep. Agree. And then our last tip for during placement is to remember to debrief. It is so important to take time out of your day to debrief with people around you. And this can be with friends, with other students on the ward, like in your group chats that you've made, that I hope you've made, (laughs) and with your lecturers from university, or even with your clinical educators, like we said before. It's really important to just get everything off your chest, even just to reflect on the day, even if nothing bad necessarily happened just to talk about it, it's probably the best stress reliever while you're on placement. Yeah, I agree, especially with your first placement. I mean, for me, with my midwifery placement, there was four of us girls and we would debrief at sometimes like literally in the parking lot at the end of a a, a shift. And it was what kept me going. It was so helpful and so handy because, yeah, there's a lot that goes on sometimes. Like you see some really sad stuff and even, even debriefing on the things that went well is really important. But yeah, I think especially when stuff doesn't go well and you see things and you're really confronted by it, having someone to talk about it with is, it makes the world of a difference. So you've come to the end of your placement. So tips and tricks on, I guess, how to, you know, after your placement's already been done. So reflection, it's a common thread and theme, but reflection is key. 
I feel like if you kept a diary or you just take the time to even just think about your placement and write things that you learned, it's really, really beneficial for you because it means that you can aim not to repeat the same mistakes that you made and just like better your practice as you go. Because I mean, the thing with placement is it's, it is a learning opportunity and they are stepping stones. And each one that you do, you'll just get more confident and you'll learn more skills and you'll feel more comfortable. And so, yeah, that was a big thing, like reflection. Yeah, it's really important to reflect on your progress and to make sure you give yourself the time to recognize the things that you didn't know before you placed in and now that you and now you do know and the things that you're that you're improving on and give yourself credit for the hard work that you have put into your placement that you've just completed. It's also so important to switch off during the times that you're not at placement. After you finished your shift, after you finished your week's worth of shifts, whatever it is, use that time to rest and recharge and use the weekends to see your friends, see your family. You know, it's really important to take that time out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. So with your first placement, you will have the opportunity to get references. On your first placement, however, it isn't as important. We would recommend that if you are someone who wants to apply for jobs like a Ruth One position or a PCA or any of those types of jobs that, yeah, having a placement reference will be beneficial. But your first placement isn't necessarily the placement that you're going to use for your grad year for instance, because it's just, it's X amount of placements away from you applying and X amount of years and the amount of growth that you'll have is exponential. So, but it's always a good place to start. Maybe even just practicing how to gain a reference, you know, the language that you use, the conversation that you have with someone, but yeah, referencing is really important. So yeah, you'll need it for when you are applying for jobs after you've finished this course or this degree. So it could be in your third or fourth year. Um, most organizations ask for two, however, some are before so it's just knowing what organization you are interested in applying in and what their minimum requirement is so to do this you want to keep track of the nurses and the midwives that you've spent the most time on with your shifts developing a really good relationship with these people Um, maybe you practice a certain skill with them or maybe you took a four patient load with them for that week and so they really got to see all your skills I think those kind of things are really important to keep in mind of yeah, yeah. And with these registered nurses or registered midwives, make sure you ask them if they're willing to be a reference for you when you start applying for jobs. To do this, what you need is you need their name, their phone number, their email, and their position title. And another tip is to make sure you get multiple references because unfortunately, some registered nurses and midwives, they may not remember you or they may become unavailable to contact. It happens more often than not. So make sure you gather multiple the more the merrier. Another tip is the more recent, the better. And that's because, like I said, they tend to remember you. That means they're more enthusiastic about you. That's so true. Some other advice I'll add to that is um, one of the clinical educators mentioned to me that when you contact them by email, send a photo of yourself so they can actually remember what you look like. Um, so that way, when they are flicking through, they can be like, oh, I, I can remember that student because this is what they look like. And these references are really useful for when you do apply for jobs in like the healthcare industry maybe you're applying to be an assistant in nursing a pca a ruson it doesn't hurt to gather some references even if you don't end up using them 
Yeah, exactly. It's also important to note that you can, and sometimes it's better to get references that are ANUMs or NUMs, so associate nurse unit managers and nurse unit managers. You would want to have had at least a close relationship with them in the sense that they know who they are or they know the type of worker that you are or that they have heard good things about you on the ward. Because again, it is really important that they know what type of worker that you are. Yeah, keep in mind with NUMs and ANUMs as references that they haven't worked with you directly one-on-one so some organizations may not view them as a useful source to reference you for but they're still excellent references though yeah so other things that you might be considering with your first placement is well how much money should I have or how much money will I spend on my placement and this is variant from people um to people and situation to situation but I guess things that you can expect to pay for on your placement will include your transport so whether this be through public transport or maybe you drive and so the petrol um, that is always going to be an expense on placement regardless Um, another thing is parking in hospitals can be very very expensive if you're going to use the public parking lots I would always ask your educator if they don't mention are there student rates are there weekly rates are there like passes that you can get for x amount of days that might be cheaper these are all really great questions to ask also looking at what the area is before to see if there's any street parking I have never done it personally because it makes me a bit anxious but I know that some people will park in say like a four-hour car spot and then they'll leave their placement and then go and move their car and then they have that eight hours where they only have to move it the once I personally haven't done it It makes me too anxious (laughs) yeah I personally do do that but I've suffered many parking fines since so just keep that in mind Yeah, I mean, that is another expense to unfortunately potentially factor in. We hope not, (laughs) but yeah. Um, Food, like even if you are prepping food, it's less likely to be more expensive than if you're buying from the cafe. But if you're not planning on prepping meals, putting money aside for the cafeteria because they can be quite hefty as well. You know, your takeaway coffees or your green teas if you're me and Caitlin. Um, the equipment you might need so that might include your stethoscope your nurse's pouch you know pens books whatever it might be that you're taking with you yeah the best best sort of income streams that we've found to be available for students whilst they're on placement well to start off with working a contracted job um, rather than a casual at least if you're you've got a contracted position um, at your part-time job that means you ideally have access to annual leave benefits and this is basically mine and Scarlett's main income stream while we're on placement and that means that money's still coming in whilst you're off work yeah I do feel very lucky that um, yeah we both have contracted jobs it makes a big difference another thing is Centrelink this is Australia-wide um, so things like youth allowance or Oz study so these are like the two main payments for younger people that are available so these are students that are Australian citizens and have a Medicare card so you need to check the like your eligibility which is all found through the Centrelink website they can take a really long time to get back to you so keeping in mind that getting onto this earlier rather than later is key. Yeah, um, and keeping in mind the information that they require. So they often ask information like your age, living situation, how much you earn, how much your parents earn, etc., etc. Yeah, these all fall under the eligibility criteria. So yeah, 
something yeah. really worth looking into. And another way that you can um, source an income is through scholarships, through uni, or maybe even TAFE scholarships. I'm actually not sure if TAFE do scholarships, but they are lifesavers. And make sure you apply for as many as you're eligible for because you will always receive one when you least expect it. I know I got one for this first semester of this year. Scarlett received one last year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they're really, really helpful. And there's so many available. You just never know when you're going to receive one. Big, big tip. Just apply. Because you've got to be in it to win it. Yeah, exactly. And of course, if none of these income streams are available to you, contact your uni or your TAFE and if you require further assistance because they will be more than happy to help. Okay, guys. So that is the wrap on our part three of our beginner's guide. So we hope that you enjoy today's episode and that you feel more confident going into your first placement. Yes. And stick around for part four. We're going to be talking about placement folios and assessments, fellowships with health organizations, and the difference in various types of placements. Like always, you can find us at Get the Scope on Instagram, and you can download our episodes on any of your platform streaming websites. And we would love to hear your feedback and what you guys want to listen to for further episodes. Again, this is a part series that potentially has no end. We have no set number. And make sure you check out parts one and two of this series. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode and bye. Bye.